Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Here again tomorrow night. Have a good night. Tonight, it's Chris Christie's moment to drop out. It's a dictator. A bully? He is unfit. New Hampshire gets interesting as the Haley surge continues. How Mr. Anti-Trump could help ensure Trump gets the nomination. Mind games. China develops new weapons aimed at thought control. How they will change the battlefield of the future. Let's make a deal. Will Harvard's board sacrifice their embattled president to stop a congressional investigation? Why the New York Times and Washington Post just abandoned Harvard's first black president. And Father Knows Best, the new report that finds old school parenting wins out. Do we understand each other about this, boys? You know, this is all for your own good. Sure, Dad. Every time you ball us out, it's for our own good. Why Ward Cleaver was on to something. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight... Nikki's New Hampshire rise just made things interesting for the Republican primary. Very interesting. It's a new poll that came out in New Hampshire. It's got Trump 44, Haley 30. We're surging. We're now second place in Iowa, second place in New Hampshire, second place in South Carolina. We just got one more fella to catch up to. The latest polling from St. Anselm College puts her just 14 points behind Donald Trump. There's other polls that show her a little bit closer. The methodology of those polls is questionable, but Nikki Haley's momentum is unmistakable. Let's focus in on the number three guy, Chris Christie, for a moment. He's at 12%. That's important because the same poll found 75% of his supporters could vote for Haley. So if he were to leave the race, Trump's lead would sink to just five points. Our friends at Politico summed it up best, how Christie became a monumental problem for Haley. And a potential boon to Trump, the former New Jersey governor, could complicate Nikki Haley's math in New Hampshire, some prominent Republicans say. Well, the math is pretty clear. Right now, Chris Christie is helping the person that he says he wants to take out of the race. He's helping Donald Trump the most. When asked about why he wouldn't help boost her in the polls. Chris Christie told Politico, quote, if I were to drop out and support Nikki Haley, I have no confidence, no confidence in the fact that she'll make the case against Trump, which is interesting because when she was on the stump in Iowa and New Hampshire just then, she was making the case against Donald Trump. In fact, Chris Christie right now is running a three and a half million dollar ad campaign in New Hampshire. New Hampshire, it's up to you. 
to select a candidate who will secure the border, get inflation under control, and who tells the truth. Folks like these three guys on the stage make it seem like his conduct is acceptable. Let me make it clear. His conduct is unacceptable. He's unfit. Reasonable people can agree that Chris Christie has a slim chance, a very slim chance of winning the Republican nomination. And calling it a slim chance is probably being charitable, but it is the holiday season. Singing Haley is arguably the worst thing he could do if what he really wants to do is stop Donald Trump. Nikki Haley has by far the best chance. We asked Chris Christie repeatedly to come on and talk about it, but he refused. The offer still stands, 25 days till the Iowa caucuses. Dave Weigel is here, senior political reporter for Semaphore, along with Michael Graham, managing editor for the New Hampshire Journal. Mr. Graham, start with you. Uh, momentum breeds enthusiasm, which breeds momentum again. I'm thinking about the independent voters that Nikki Haley has to pull over to vote in New Hampshire's open primary if he's, she's going to beat Donald Trump. Uh, has that enthusiasm started to build yet? Well, you certainly see it at the uh, uh, ven venues that she's using. We send our reporters out, and you know, she, early on, she was very smart. She went to – and by the way, New Hampshire presidential campaigns, they have these places, these little VFW halls and stuff, where you know if you get 40 people, it still looks like a pretty good crowd. Well, she was still using those smaller venues when they were packing out. People were going out in the, was she, out in the parking lot. She clearly has moved up to the top tier of the not Trump candidates. And she's drawing crowds. But, you know, she's actually been drawing decent crowds throughout the uh, campaign season because that's what New Hampshire does. If you go to a Chris Christie event, we just had a reporter in Rochester. He had a good crowd. They were enthusiastic. Someone in the crowd asked him about dropping out. He said, I'm running for president. And he's, he's focused on what he says is his mission, to take on Donald Trump. He showed no signs that he's ready to make a different decision at this point. Dave, Nationally, what are you hearing about Republicans? Because there's a, there's a lot of money in mm -hmm. the Republican but not Trump crowd. Mm -hmm. Is there any pressure starting to mount on specifically Chris Christie to drop out? Uh, not yet. He has some loyal donors who agree with his argument that you need to prosecute a case against Nikki, uh, sorry, against Donald Trump, that Nikki Haley's not doing it. Uh, a lot of the money has already made their choice and made their vote, which uh, Americans Prosperity endorsing Hillary, the Koch Network, other donors who are with Ron DeSantis or with more, more of them with Tim Scott going to her. Uh, they have not been able to put pressure on him. Because the, the, the story of the Chris Christie campaign is that nobody can pressure him or, or say that he's doing this wrong. He is running his own race, arguing with the other candidates. Uh, I was uh, with Michael, I think, at an event with Christie last week, though, and I asked him, where do you go next? If you win New Hampshire, even, which he's not right now, where do you go next? He said Michigan. So he doesn't have a, a, much of a strategy post-New Hampshire. And how do you reason with somebody like that and tell him you're, you're strategically hurting Nikki Haley? Uh, it seems as though he knows it. We all know it. We can sit here and look at the math and, and figure it out. I've been following Nikki Haley's, both her campaign and her rhetoric, pretty closely. And she's now picked up a little bit, I feel, of swagger, but also of grievance. That's certainly a, a big part of the Republican primary electorate feels. Here's her with Jonathan Carl. Take a listen. I mean, he's running on retribution. He wants to go out and he talks about annihilating his enemies and using the criminal justice system to do so. What, what, do, you, what do you think of that? You guys are exhausting. You're exhausting in your obsession with him. Anti-Trumpers want me to hate him. Pro-Trumpers want me to love him. 
Michael, is there a lane in New Hampshire for not anti-Trump, not pro-Trump, but just let's move on from Trump? Uh, well, that's what we're going to find out in the primary. The, the, one of the arguments that Chris Christie makes, I think, is the strongest and it resonates in New Hampshire is nobody's voted yet. Come on. Let, let people have a vote. We've got 50 states. Iowa has the first caucus. That's a kind of an odd thing where people have to show up in a room and talk to each other. Then New Hampshire has a traditional primary. Why is it you know, terrible for Chris Christie or Ron DeSantis or Asa Hutchinson to stay in for one or two states. Now, of course, the counter answer is, well, because we are determined to stop Trump. And you just heard Nikki Haley's answer, which is she's running for president as Nikki Haley. She's not running for president as not Donald Trump. That's something that the media obsessed with. And when she talks that way, I think there are a lot of Republican primary voters with whom it resonates. Dave, I am a huge fan of Al Michaels as a sportscaster, Mm -hmm. uh, both because of his talent and because of one of his great quotes, which is, I root for drama. I don't root for a team, which is kind of how I think our job um, should be. I hear Michael laughing as well. And look, we we root for drama. We create storylines. Somebody's got a buzz. Somebody's having a moment on and on and on. Uh, It goes Iowa. Six days later is New Hampshire. Then 32 days until South Carolina and Nikki Haley's home state where Donald Trump's way ahead. Are we just creating buzz and, and enjoying the drama and of, oh, there could be a third quarter comeback here when objectively one one team, one man is up by no matter how you cut it, double digits? No, I think we're covering New Hampshire fairly right now. And this has been the case for the last few weeks. Iowa, no one has a clear path to beating Donald Trump there. In New Hampshire, Haley's been gaining as people drop out. And the question is, what happens to South Carolina? And Speak, this isn't a dramatic development. The facts on the ground are that half of the New Hampshire electorate is probably going to be independents, people who are least likely to support Donald Trump. Only about a quarter of the South Carolina electorate, if this looks like the 2016 primary, only about a quarter are independents. But that's where Nikki Haley's fishing. She's fishing with voters who are not wedded to Donald Trump or are amenable to this idea that he can't win like she can, that he's polling worse than her. Uh, we're covering that, I think, fairly. And Trump only in a few last few days started to attack back against that argument. Yeah, I disagree. I'm sorry. I disagree. I I I have to jump in and just disagree (laughs) on a couple things. One is we don't have independent voters in New Hampshire. We have Republicans and Democrats who won't register as Republicans and Democrats. So they register as unaffiliated, but they almost always vote in the same primary and for the same candidates. New Hampshire Journal did a poll over the summer of the 40,000. There are only 40,000 of them, and 1.4 million people in the state who, in the last four cycles, they voted in a Republican presidential primary. And they voted in Democratic president's primary. They, these magical swing voters. There's only 40,000. Care to guess who was winning among them, among the Republican candidates? Donald Trump. Now it's only 27%. <laughs> but my point is Trump is a strong candidate across the board. Yeah. Republicans, whether they're hardcore, MAGA, or they're just kind of casual Republicans, they either like him or they're okay with him. You also mentioned Nikki Haley looking for independent voters. We have a new poll that we're breaking tonight of New Hampshire Democratic primary voters. And because Biden's not on the ballot, we had to ask people, are you voting for Marianne Williamson, Dean Phillips, or writing someone in? Because we can't say who, because that's what the ballot's going to look like. There's no name. Guess who appeared spontaneously? Nikki Haley. About 1% of the people we talked to who are Democrats plan on writing in her name. And that shows how she's fishing in a part of the pond where, traditionally speaking, Mm. it is really hard to win a Republican primary. 
Fellas, this is this is why this is why we have elections. Is, is Al Michael say this is why we play the game? That's right. uh, Michael, fantastic ground truth. We're going to see you up in New Hampshire uh, in the days ahead of the primary. Dave, uh, enjoy the break before uh, yes. before we head out on the trail, my friend. Merry Christmas. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you again, Excellent. Michael. Live look now at the White House. Just ahead, we're continuing our 2024 presidential coverage with a look at President Biden. Why, surprisingly, next year may be his best year yet. We're looking at the border, inflation, problems abroad, and poll numbers. There is an argument to be made that things can only go up from here. For Mr. Biden, a few hours ago, Hamas reportedly rejected a ceasefire deal with Israel. The terror group refused to exchange their female hostages for humanitarian aid in a seven-day truce. It's not surprising. But Chris Hayes of MSNBC wants Israel to unilaterally stop their attacks on Hamas anyway. And an atrocity like October 7th does not, cannot justify whatever comes after it, whatever the response. There is no terrorist attack, no matter how horrific, and truly October 7th was horrific, that can wash clean what we are seeing in Gaza and what we as Americans and our government are abetting. It must end. We must stop it. That was Chris Hayes a few days ago. You know what was missing in that clip? Any discussion of the hostages inside Gaza, any of the discussions of the women being raped inside Gaza right now, the Israeli women who are held hostages. He didn't mention them. Nothing about what Hamas must do. And that is telling, right? Because this is Chris Hayes who was all in on the Me Too movement. What we're about to show you and talk about is hard, but that's the point. Hamas, their supporters and their apologists, like Chris Hayes, want you to look away. They want you to forget what we're about to show you. This is a display in New York's Times Square. The bloodied pants that are there represent the sweatpants of Nama Levy. We've talked about her before. She's the girl dragged by her long brown hair into a Hamas vehicle. The crowd looks on. The car speeds off. It's the last time that anyone has seen her. She was captured in that video and taken on October 7th. We are now past two months. Nama Levy, 19, was seen alive for the last time on that day. The source of the blood on her pants is obvious. Nama was almost certainly brutally raped by Hamas gunmen that day inside Israel. And new report shows that the rapes of Israeli women held in Gaza haven't stopped. It's a horrible reality for the women still in captivity. Levy is among 17 female hostages aged 18 to 26, still held by Hamas somewhere in Gaza. Hayes, though, speaks for a lot of folks in America when he clearly just doesn't care. Whether you agree or disagree, Israel has a real problem. Support for that country and its war against Hamas is waning plays out in a new poll. According to our partners at The Hill, 45% of registered voters say they support sending the U.S., the U.S. sending additional military aid to Israel. This is a drop from a previous Quinnipiac poll in November where 54% of voters were in support, almost a 10% drop. 48% of Americans, 18 to 24, say they support Hamas in the current war with Israel without really knowing what that means, but that's what they say. 63% of Americans, young Americans, are unaware Six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust. 23% said the Holocaust was a myth or exaggerated. 12% said they had definitely not heard of the Holocaust. 11% 
said Jews had caused the Holocaust. One group is recording October 7th survivors, just like reporters did of Holocaust victims taking their testimony. This is Adair Sigev from Kibbutz Shafin. The kibbutz is in ruins, and it was our small happy place, our safe haven. It was a, no, it was our heaven. We are peaceful people. They just came in and slaughtered entire families and elders and babies. In what name? Why? With us now, head of the Shoah Foundation, University of Southern California, Dr. Robert Williams. It's good to see you. There is an argument to be made, right, that there's a group of people who, no matter what you show them, no matter what testimony they hear, aren't going to believe it, not because they don't think it's true, but just because they don't want to. Who, who are you all trying to speak to? In a lot of ways, what we're trying to do is get to people before they fall down that pit of denialism, right? We've experienced decades of various forms of Holocaust denial, Holocaust distortion. We have now entered an environment where people are denying the images that they see right on their television screens. Now, part of that is due to a lack of moral clarity. Another element that's at play, though, is people are not identifying themselves with those who are victimized by these traumatic events. That is why the U.S. When you say identify, meaning that it's, it, it, it's a faraway place, it couldn't be me? Partially, but it's also lacking uh, an awareness of the victims and the survivors is real living people. People who had hopes and dreams, just like us, and whose lives have been shattered by terrible moments of trauma, terror, hateful violence, anti-Semitic violence. How much of this, and I say this, is that it's very easy to see the pictures that are coming out of Gaza. And admittedly, some terrible things have happened to civilians in, in Gaza. Uh, the difference being that those civilians are collateral damage of a war with Hamas versus being targeted as civilians by a terrorist organization. But, but be that as it may. And, it, and then you have what happened inside Israel, some of which, and we're going to play one of the clips about, about rapes of, of Israeli women, it's almost too difficult to talk about. It makes you look away, and I would urge our viewers to not look away. Sit and watch this, because you need to hear it. I heard what they did to other of my friends. My really good friend got a picture of her husband's legs with with shoes and women were raped they found their body body raped my friend so I wanted to know if they butchered him or what they did to his body but I had a, a little hope are there things that you're collecting are there stories you're hearing that you can't play? Yes. Uh, we have a responsibility to the survivors who entrust us with their testimonies to share the content that they're comfortable with. We have had some survivors ask us to hold off. We have had some content that we've wrestled with how quickly we make this available online. And our goal is to make them all available online as soon as possible. Nevertheless, we feel it's also our responsibility to share the unvarnished truth of what happened to people. Are, are you surprised, and this is something that you've been working on for decades, it's been your life's work, uh, are you surprised by the virulent hatred towards Jews and calls for genocide that happened in America from the left? Was anybody, did anybody see this coming? Some people did. 
Some people had been sounding the alarm for decades. Uh, some of us, and myself included, were more focused on the violence coming from the right and coming from religious extremists. We always kind of expected that the left-wing forms were somehow softer. What we've seen over the past several weeks mm. has shattered that uh, illusion. It shows that the anti-Semitism of the left doesn't just normalize anti-Semitism, it can lead to the creation of very unsafe environments for everybody from students my children's age to adults. Including uh, you made, you made a great point before the show that so much of what we're hearing now is the kind of neo-Marxist discussions that were in the Soviet Union in the 70s. A very smart friend of mine tells me you never worry about the right thing. That's true. Good to see you, sir. <laughs> nice to meet you. Thank, Thank you. you. Pleasure to have you on. Coming up next, America's top general talks to his Chinese counterpart for the first time in 16 months. The announcement comes just after new headlines claim China is developing new mind control weapons. Is the U.S. playing a losing game? And the new report claiming children brought up with old-fashioned values have fewer mental health issues than kids raised the modern way, something this child from 1950 might agree with. And here comes mother to say hello. Tommy likes to be with his parents. And this evening is a little special, for it's the day for Tommy to receive his allowance. Allow me to introduce our American visitors. I must ask you to forgive their somewhat lackadaisical manners, but I have conditioned them, or brainwashed them, which I understand is the new American word. Frank Sinatra and company brainwashed in the Manchurian candidate by sinister Chinese forces during the Korean War. That was stuff of fiction, science fiction. It was the movies. The Chinese now want it to become a reality. The Washington Times published a piece today citing a report from the China's, China's People's Liberation Army entitled Warfare in the Cognitive Age, all about mind control. Specifically, the report says that the Chinese are developing advanced biological agents to disrupt sleep in enemy soldiers in order to impair their ability to fight. It's wild things. Those weapons may be in the near future. Today, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff spoke with his Chinese counterpart, first such conversation between the two nations' top military leaders in over 16 months. This talk between the generals comes General after... ...discuss the importance of working together to responsibly manage competition avoid miscalculations, and maintain an open and direct line of communication. All right, so that was the Pentagon sort of saying things are great. We're talking now. The talk between the generals comes after Mr. Biden's October conference with Chinese President Xi Jinping in San Francisco, a summit that we are just learning produced a very grave threat to a key U.S. ally in the Pacific, NBC News reports that President Xi warned Biden that China was prepared to unify Taiwan with mainland China. Xi was blunt with the president, the report says, but failed to say when an invasion may take place. Imagine the Japanese telling the United States in 1940 that it was about to take over the Philippines and the U.S. did nothing in response. With us now, former assistant to the president for national security affairs, former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, John Bolton. Good to see you, sir. Let's just take the NBC News report on its face. Is this like the Jap Japanese saying we're taking over the Philippines? Well, I think it's a, it's, it's a very direct threat, and the fact that, that there's no time frame on attached to it shouldn't make us feel better, because it could be tomorrow. 
uh, not 10 years from now. And I think this is something that the Biden administration just discounts. It doesn't perhaps believe it's uh, possible uh, because part of their uh, approach to China, really the main part for almost three years now, is simply to uh, keep talking with, without any notion uh, of how we're going to deter China uh, from this kind of aggressive behavior. And it's of a piece with their failure to deter Russia before the invasion of Ukraine in February of 2022, uh, their, their failure to deal with Iran and the current crisis in the Middle East. Everything is satisfied just by talking. So that's why they portray this conversation by the chairman of our Joint Chiefs with his Chinese counterpart as a step forward. Uh, really, it's just it's just regularizing something that uh, that occurs all the time. Anyway, the real question is, are we going to signal through that channel uh, that uh, before China thinks about going after Taiwan, they ought to think about what our response would be? Yeah, I think about the, the mind control weapons, which sort of sounds something out of science fiction. The Chinese certainly have no problem experimenting on humans, the Uyghurs and others in a way that, that the U.S. never could develop weapons that all of a sudden produce terrible cognitive results for soldiers and the like, directed energy, on and on and on. But the, the other part of this is the, what we are seeing the Chinese doing as well when it comes to their nuclear arsenal. The New York Times reporting China quietly rebuilds secretive base for nuclear tests. Um, imagery from the New York Times shows the remote desert uh, in northern China. Sixty years ago is where China first tested and detonated a nuclear weapon. And the region is active um, once again. When we hear the, the idea from the Pentagon that we can celebrate this idea that we're now talking again, uh, as if, to your point, talking is a means to an end, are we speaking a language yet that the Chinese understand? And what are we to make of all of these fairly provocative moves, whether it be about nuclear weapons or testing some really scary biological weapons that perhaps come relevant now after three years of a pandemic that started in China? Well, on the nuclear side, uh, the Chinese are thumbing their nose at us. Uh, we, we've said, and correctly, we, we said this in the Trump administration, we're not going to negotiate with the Russians about limitations, further limitations on our nuclear weapons in a bipolar context with Russia. If we're going to talk about limitations, China has to be included as they build up to the levels uh, to which Russia and the United States have limited themselves, they're becoming a completely separate and distinct threat to the United States, separate from Russia. So we've said, fine, we'll talk to Russia if China's included, because if we're going to limit our weapons, China's going to limit theirs. And the Chinese have basically said, go take a hike. I mean, that's the mm. kind of, uh, of attitude that is not uh, diminished. In fact, it, it feeds on this idea that, oh, it's so wonderful we're talking now, because it doesn't accomplish anything. And, and it's the nuclear threat, ultimately, that's the most serious. Uh, before we even talk about arms control, we need a better nuclear strategy. We're not in a bipolar nuclear world anymore. We're increasingly in a tripolar nuclear world, both other countries being adversaries of the United States. We can deal with one maybe at the levels we have now. We can't deal with both at those levels. And just quickly on the mind control thing, look, the Chinese communists have practiced this on their own people for uh, 75 years. This is something I would not underestimate their capabilities in. And, you know, we're all familiar with the Havana syndrome problem, with, uh, which, which many in the government basically deny exists. I think most have, have believed the source of the problem 
has been Russia, possibly directed energy. But it's also entirely possible China is the source of Havana syndrome. So when you piece all that together, I, I do I do see this as serious. It's part of China's effort to find asymmetric ways to come after us. And I, I think we better be working on this both defensively and, frankly, offensively very hard. Yeah. Speaking of asymmetric warfare, thousands of Chinese uh, military-age men coming across our southern border would probably be added to the list. Mr. Ambassador, it's good to see you. Merry Christmas to you and yours, sir. Thank you. Likewise. Merry Christmas. All right. New study out shows children of conservative parents that are a lower risk for mental illness. But the study may be missed an important point. First, the facts. Just 55 percent of kids with liberal parents report good or excellent mental health. Seventy seven percent of those from conservative households say they have good or excellent mental health. But maybe we're looking at this wrong or maybe the study looked at it wrong. What if it's not ideological, but cultural old school versus new school? The show Leave It to Beaver to explain. Flat top. Wally, where's your sense of individualism? Do you want to look like every other kid in school? Sure, Dad. I just hope you wouldn't pick on anyone just because he was different. Well, gee, Dad, I wouldn't hold it against a guy just because he wears short pants. Those weren't conservative values. They were old-fashioned, rural values, focusing on good grades, demanding respectful behavior, you know, those you disagree with, and pushing kids to overcome their challenges rather than medicating them. Everywhere we turn today, though, we hear more and more about kids doing just the opposite and turning to violence. Just this week at a high school in Maryland, 10 fights broke out all in one day. In a letter to parents on Wednesday, administrators said that a concerning series of multiple altercations took place on Tuesday, as if it's perfectly normal, but just slightly concerning. With us now, board certified in general psychiatry, child and adolescent psychiatry, Dr. Dan Bober. Good to see you, sir. We appreciate it. Is there something to this idea that it may not be conservative or liberal, uh, but rule and old fashioned of telling kids that there are standards, you have to meet them and maybe not indulging uh, every harebrained idea they have? You know, Leland, in general, I think parenting styles in a way line up with political views. For example, conservative parents uh, tend to be more rule focused, uh, focused on, you know, strict adherence uh, to the way things are run in society and that you shouldn't deviate from them. And liberal parents, you know, again, speaking in a general way, tend to focus on kindness, love and empathy. But when I think about this, I really think about parenting styles. And when I talk about parenting styles, I specifically think of authoritarian versus authoritative. Authoritarian parents tend to focus, again, on strict rules, uh, adherence to authority, and basically uh, that you bend or break the will of the child, and that, that is an act of love itself, whereas authoritative parents tend to focus, again, on rules, but love, loving, kind, empathy, those sorts of things, and they're, they're willing to explain things to the child rather than saying it's my way or the highway. So the interesting thing is, is that authoritarian parents tend to have kids with lower self-esteem, whereas authoritative parents tend to have kids with higher self-esteem. So it really depends on the style, but I can tell you that as an addiction medicine physician, one of the biggest problems I see in kids are the two following things. One, they never learn to experience the natural consequences of their actions. And two, the parents don't back each other up. So when you don't hmm. get your way from mom, you go to dad. And I see that as really a recipe for disaster later on. 
I, I would say, speaking from experience, not as a father, but uh, as, a, as a son, uh, I came from a very authoritative uh, household. Um, but it feels as though even being an authoritative parent in some ways is under attack, especially uh, by more progressive uh, forces, shall we say, especially the teachers unions and others that are saying parents should have less influence in their kids. Uh, whatever a kid wants to be or says they identify as should be fully embraced without question. Are you seeing that same conflict? I think you have to strike a balance. Uh, I've seen it both ways. I don't think you can be too strict. I don't think you can use force or coercion to raise, to raise your child. But I think, you know, being permissive and not having rules and letting your children run wild and not being present and knowing where they are also can lead to problems, too. So I think you can be loving and nurturing and still have rules and explain to your children why you do things. And you may not always agree with them or they may not always agree with you. But in the end, you are the parent and they are the child and they have to go your way on this. Yeah, very, very important. It's good to see you, sir. Um, Appreciate the perspective. It was a a fascinating study. We knew you'd be the right guy to talk about it. Coming up next, a border crisis, questions on his age, historically low approval ratings. Add them all up as we look live at the border where the crisis continues. Why 2024 could be a great year for President Biden. The new political math when we come back. My list goes on and on and on. Um, having weird hair, having a weird name. I wish you had um, your hair. I'd trade right now if you want. You want this hair? It yeah. comes off. It's a, it's, it's, well, it Velcro's on the back, yeah. Unless something changes drastically, that will be President Biden's last interview of the year with Conan O'Brien. All indications are the president won't give a traditional year-end press conference, live pictures of the White House on a beautiful night here in Washington. The White House called a lid today at 3 p.m. That means the press goes home. Tomorrow, Mr. Biden's scheduled to visit the Children's Hospital in the afternoon. Unlikely that there will be a late ad of a press conference. To be fair, maybe the president doesn't need to give the typical year ender. We've spent a year talking about how Mr. Biden is in a bubble. His press team works overtime to limit his time with the press. But 2024 could actually be his year. To be fair, it would be hard for it to get worse. His poll numbers really can't fall any further. Depending on which poll you look at, his approval rating is 40 percent, sometimes lower. He's starting to gain the upper hand on immigration reform by holding Republicans' feet to the fire. The more illegal immigrants that come across, the more leverage he gets. The Federal Reserve will likely cut rates three times next year. That means mortgages, monthly payments or credit cards go down. Finally, crime is down 8 percent nationally. Crime could fall in some swing states. So maybe the bubble strategy is working with us now. Rebecca Heinrich, senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, and Kurt Bardella, Democratic strategist, L.A. Times contributor, formerly with the House GOP Oversight Committee. Kurt, Kurt I feel like your jaw should be f- more slack after that intro by, <laughs> by me. I'm not punking you. This is a possibility, right? I feel like this is a trap, Leland. I don't know about this. Um, no, in, in all seriousness, uh, I think that your lead-in is spot on. Uh, when you look at the president's approval rating, it really can't get worse, so it can only get better. When you look at the economy, interest rates are going to be cut next year. Uh, that can only be uh, an economic benefit for the American people. Crime, as you said, is going down. And so these are some of the biggest talking points that Republicans have used to really pillar the Biden administration in 2023. And I'll add the one thing, too, that he has going for him 
is Speaker Mike Johnson, who has found himself in a, in a bit of a vice heading into January where there's a potential government shutdown that he has to negotiate himself out of. He has two less members of his conference and an already narrow majority because of Santos and McCarthy being gone. Uh, if anything's going to make 2024 a good year for Joe Biden, mm. it's House Republicans. No, never underestimate Republicans' ability to screw things up, right, Rebecca? Well, I don't know. I think things can get worse for President Biden. One of the things is on national security, all all lights are blinking red. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've got the, the Houthis still attacking shipping lanes in the in the Red Sea. And so we've got the economy can obviously even get worse from there if you're actually going to slow down the global economy from some problems. Well, oil is already up 10 percent, so that... Gas prices have been known to cause problems. It's gas prices, but it's also just shipping. So the things that Americans are trying to order for Christmas might not even get through. 12% of of, uh, international shipping goes through there. Obviously, you saw Russia invading Ukraine. So this has not been a good national security uh, year for the president. It hasn't been a good for his term. Next year could be worse. Xi Jinping, we've got um, news now that Xi Jinping told President Biden that he still intends to unite Taiwan. Yeah, talked about that with John Bolton uh, a little earlier. But uh, look, Kurt, to to be fair... And perhaps, like, you made this argument, right, that if he, it's much better to remain silent um, and be thought a, a doddering fool or be called a doddering fool by Republicans than it is to, to have the gaffes that President Biden has had and multiply those out. And then you, you've got real problems. He's running, as, as you pointed, just letting Republicans screw things up. What would be the, the flip side of this, right? If, if things next year require... Handholding of the American people by a president who they want to see is in control, that that could create problems, right? Well, let's just be very clear here. He's screwed if that's the case. I mean, yeah, I know I'm supposed to come out here, say the Democratic Party line that everything's going to be great and Joe Biden's going to just sail into re-election. If things are bad and as bad as they've been this year. He's likely screwed. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you guys, oh, yeah, he's just going to run, you know, roughshod over everybody that gets in his way. It is a very tough environment right now. And frankly, this guy, he's old. I mean, let's just be honest about it. The reason why they hide him is because he's old and they're trying to limit his exposure that way. It might work. It might work because when he's being quiet, you have the other guys saying things are being compared to Hitler. Like, that's not a great look if you're the Republicans trying to change the page in 2024. So there is a scenario where, as you said, you never underestimate the Republican Party's ability to screw it up. I'm a former Republican. I've seen this play over and over and over again. That could happen, but it's going to be tough for Joe Biden. No question about it. Rebecca, I guess now we look to 2024 for Republicans. I, I see there's so much enthusiasm of this can't go wrong. We're in a great position. Joe Biden's so old, on and on and on. It's kind of the same thing that happened in 2022 that didn't work out as well for Republicans. Well, a lot of it's going to depend on can Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, deliver some effective gains and to demonstrate that Republicans can govern. Um, to the point about immigration, I mean, 10,000 illegal immigrant crossings a day. I mean, it's a crisis. 12,000. Well, up to 12,000. I mean, this is unprecedented. Yeah. It's a national security crisis in addition to everything else going on. And then the other thing that is a live wire for Democrats right now, one in five Democrats are identifying, according to polls, with Hamas or support Hamas over Israel. That's going to be a really tough thing for, for President Biden to navigate. I don't think Democrats know. Oh, yeah, and the enthusiasm issue. We got to run. Thank you both. Fabulous discussion. 2024 is just ahead. We'll talk about it then. The tape has been marked. Coming up next... Each day brings more damning allegations against the president of Harvard. More big donors are pulling their millions of dollars. 
What's the deal to be made in D.C. about Claudine Gay? Want to catch some catchphrases? Oh, yes, master. Jeepers. Here's Johnny. She can kiss my Prius. Catch classic catchphrases all day long on Antenna TV. My friend Tom's family only is wireless for home internet, so it can be mad slow when everyone's online. But we get fast, reliable internet from Xfinity, so I can game with basically no interruptions. Ooh, it just leveled up. Don't settle for just wireless. Switch to Xfinity Internet and get 99.9% reliable internet so you can do more of what you love online. Don't wait. Get it all with Xfinity, home of the next generation 10G network. The future starts now. Go to Xfinity.com slash 10G, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Tomorrow on News Nation, batter up for Senate? In MLB Legends, Steve Garvey joins Chris Live to discuss his run for U.S. Senator, his hopes to pull a GOP win in a heavily Democratic state. Tomorrow on Cuomo. Then, a special edition of Dan Abrams Live. 2024 Democratic presidential candidate Dean Phillips talks with Dan live for the full hour. Why he joined the race and what's next in his challenge to President Biden's campaign. Tune in at 9 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for listening to News Nation On The Go. I'm Connell McShane. To get America's fastest-growing news channel on your screen, go to joinnn.com. Thanks to generous community support, Wounded Warrior Project has helped post-9-11 veterans and their families since 2003. Through no-cost physical and mental health services, legislative advocacy, career assistance, and life skill training, we're there every step of the journey. It's possible to feel understood. To get support when it's needed most. And now I know anything is possible. And we're just getting started. Learn more at WoundedWarriorProject.org slash possible. Day one, the hardest day. The day you hear. This is a type of blood cancer. But day one is just one day. At the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, we are here to help you move past day one. On day 45, I discovered an online community who shared great tips for in-treatment care. I missed a lot of school during treatment, and LLS helped me keep up. To learn more and get help on day two, day 28, or any day, please visit LLS.org or call 1-800-955-4572. Hey, this is News Nation's Chris Cuomo wishing you and yours all the joys of the Holy Day season. Everything good for you and yours. Please, may you enjoy the gift of good cheer this holiday and all year long. This is Chris Cuomo wishing you happy holidays from News Nation. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance.
A quick update on our favorite alleged plagiarist. She's now asked for multiple corrections to her academic papers. That in and of itself is a damning admission of wrongdoing. But something much more significant happened overnight. Both the New York Times and Washington Post abandoned Harvard President Claudine Gay when new allegations of plagiarism came out. New allegations. The most telling narrative change is from the Washington Post. Less than a week ago, they published a long article calling anyone who questioned Gay a racist, mentioned race a dozen times, including this. What began as a discussion of anti-Semitism has morphed into a debate over Gay's race, gender qualifications, and track record on diversity-related issues and intense scrutiny faced by neither of the two university presidents who testified alongside Gay, both of whom are white women. Overnight in the Washington Post, another article appeared. It went through all of the new allegations against Gay. It didn't mention race once. The New York Times also focused its attention on Gay directly and the Harvard Corporation, which appeared to whitewash its investigation to protect her. Quote, Wednesday's news has raised more questions about the process by which the university board, known as the Harvard Corporation, has handled plagiarism allegations against Dr. Gay and whether it has been overly lenient with her. Think about that. The first black president of Harvard, a woman, a professor of African-American studies, and she has lost the New York Times and she has lost the Washington Post on the same day. It's going to be a lonely Christmas for Claudine Gay. The Harvard board hired Gay because she won the diversity Olympics. The same Harvard board that whitewashed the investigation into the first couple of accusations of plagiarism a few weeks ago. The same Harvard board now forced to confront 40 accusations of plagiarism. And the same Harvard board that now faces a congressional investigation about its handling of Gay's case. A congressional investigation. And so we're all on the same page. Let's refresh ourselves with Gay's testimony before that committee. Can you not say here that it is against the code of conduct at Harvard? We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews? So to be fair, none of this is really Gay's fault. The, the plagiarism is, of course. But it didn't matter along the way for her because she had won the Diversity Olympics. Harvard's board dropped the ball. They didn't check her past work when they hired her. They whitewashed the first investigation. So now it comes down to Meredith Max Hodges, graduate of Harvard and Harvard Business School. Max and the rest of the board will decide if Gay keeps her job. After the first of the year, it will be Max in the congressional hot seat. That testimony suddenly goes away or gets a lot easier if Gay isn't president anymore. It's Christmas time. It's Washington. There's a deal to be made. A few final thoughts when we come back. It's the most wonderful time of the year again. Our families will gather for conversation and good cheer to remember and plan and discuss Invariably, conversation around the living room or on the golf course this time of year will turn to politics. When it does, we have something positive for you to talk with your family about. Tell them why you trust us. Tell them why you spend an hour with us every night. Tell them about News Nation, not because you agree with everything we say, but because we are fair. 
And if you're looking for a last-minute Christmas gift, WarNotes.com has you covered. Sign your relatives up for our free daily newsletter. Comes out every day at 4 p.m. It's an early look at the show, and they will thank you for it. Here's Chris. All right, everybody, I'm Chris Cuomo. It's Thursday. We're live. We've got breaking news on our watch, so let's get after it. Breaking just minutes ago, former President Donald Trump caught on tape, a recorded call, pressuring canvassers in Wayne County, Michigan, to not sign 